Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and thing. Now, Melinda's already noted that we're going to start a three-week relationship series. Today, it has begun. We have started it. None of this going off and doing your own thing. You're probably going to want to remember that part. Cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Interesting that this would be the phrase when we talk about relationships of marriage and parenting and family. Let the word of Christ, the message, let it have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense and sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your life, every detail, words, actions, and then I love this, whatever. Be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Every step of the way. When I was thinking about this other thing that goes on, funny, I was thinking about like these TV shows where you have like the mafioso, you got the mafia boss, you know, and then you've got his goon, like the big thug goon bodyguard guy that's always on the side, and like something will happen, and the, the bodyguard rushes up, the big thug rushes up, he's going to like do something, you know, that whole thing. Beverly Hills Cop is what comes to my mind. So you've got Axel Foley, you've got, you got Eddie Murphy walking in to the country club. And he's there to see Victor Maitland, the bad guy. And he likes to come walking, he picks a grape off the table and he walks up and everybody's suited up and they're in this country club and Eddie Murphy, Axel Foley comes walking up and Victor Maitland is sitting there all suited up, gray suit and everything, looking sharp. And this guy next to him, Jonathan Banks, that's his thug guy. And he's with him. And he gets up and he meets, he meets Axel right at the edge of the table, like buffering him, you know, like blocking him out, that kind of thing. And he says something about, you need to take off, cuz, or something like that. And Eddie tells him what he thinks about cuz. And, and, and then there's like a push and a, a parry and a block. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan Banks, who's like Zach in the movie, goes flying across the table, like face first in the caviar. As he slides across the table, flips over, comes up, and he's got like meringue all over his face, right? And he's like, his eyes are on fire. And he's about to come at Eddie Murphy right then in the middle of the country club. And Victor Maitland sits there and just goes. Which Eddie Murphy is then like, do you do other tricks? Like roll over and things like that? The thug. The guy that had been embarrassed, humiliated was all beefy, big, and strong, got tossed over the table, came up wanting to fight. What, what series are we in again? Relationships, yes, okay. So came up wanting a fight, and the mafia boss just raised his hand, stopped him. Makes me realize that a lot of times we think things are happening, stuff's going in us, there's something else going on someone else we need to be listening to something else that's in control now the verses that we uh, will have today up on the screen Colossians 3 18 and 19 wives understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master and then the next verse husbands go all out in love for your wives don't take advantage of them. 
Now, we've got three weeks, and it's two verses each week, 18, 19, 20, 21, and then 22, 23. And this week, we're going to talk about these two verses, husbands, wives. Next week, we're going to talk about children, parents. And the week after that, we're going to talk about slaves and masters. And just like Paul wrote it, we're going to look at all three of these. But what I want to premise is this. There's something else going on. We can be feeling something. We can be working a particular way, leaning into something. And then the master, in fact, it said, verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 18, if you want to put it back up there. Wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the, this says Lord, I'm reading out of the message, the master. Submitting in ways that honor the master. What's very interesting about the next several weeks is that the Bible is going to speak to us in ways that we behave, asking us to behave, outside of our norm. So is everyone appropriately uncomfortable? Outside of our norm. Outside of the way left to ourself, Jonathan Banks flipped over the table, is coming after him. And left to ourselves, a lot of us would say, were, were, were you wanting to fight? Because I can help you. I can say yes to that. I can accommodate that request if that's what you'd like. And we're in. Or someone else. I don't know if Victor Maitland and God the Father have ever been equated in a sermon ever. I don't know. Maybe this is the first time. Raise his hand and says, not today. Sit tight. You see, the context of all of this, we're not just pulling something out. We're saying, let the message, let the word of Christ have the run of the house. Let the message have the run of the house. We just went through six weeks Six weeks of talking about a new life, a new life, a new life, a new life, a new life. And then we get to this. Wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master. And husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. A new life, a new life, a new life. The way that we might be leaning toward, left to ourselves, the master says, but I'd like to call you into a new life. I'd like to call you into a different way of living. When I read this, wives submit to your husbands in ways that honor the master. Our godson is now 31 years old, came into his life when he was three Melinda worked at a, at a, at a daycare and childcare place, and, and uh, this kid was always on the outs, and I just kind of saw that, and so I'd run over and pick him up, three years old. I'd just pick him up, and we'd run, and when we'd run, I'd come get her at the end of the day, right, picking her up from work, and when we'd run, all the little kids would chase us, and most of the, most of the kids didn't like Leon until I grabbed him, and then he was my pal, and then everyone loved him, right, chasing around, so connected to Leon, he became our godson. Went to church with us for years because he'd been kicked out of every other church he'd gone to. So he came to church with us for years, and when we moved, he'd come and visit us. He sent me pictures of his wife and new beautiful baby up on his shoulders. He's a soldier in Hawaii. He's doing so good. I'm so proud of him. 
There was a time like elementary school, Melinda would probably know exactly, I don't know, second, third grade, something like that. It felt like he was eight, nine years old or something like that. It was his birthday. And we were visiting him for his birthday. We're going to take him out for his birthday. And at our house, here's the birthday rule. You get to do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want. It's your birthday. So somehow Leon heard that. Possibly we said, hey, buddy, it's your birthday. Have whatever you want, do whatever you want, where you want to go. He wanted to go to Newport Creamery, which is like this really cool ice cream place and, you know, a diner kind of thing. And went there and ate. We, we pull him, get in there. Now, his birthday is June 29th. It was hot. It was hot on his birthday. We hopped in the car. He's sitting in the front seat, Zoe. He's probably about your age. He's sitting in the front seat. And all of a sudden, he flips it to heat and high. Front seat flips it to heat and high. Like torch coming out. It's June 29th. It's hot. I look over, forgetting the birthday rules, apparently. I was. I looked over, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, it's my birthday. I get to do whatever I want. Okay, it's your birthday. You get to do whatever you want. We submit to the rules because it's your birthday. He took advantage of our submitting to the rules. Think of that. I think when Melinda and I first got married, 1991, in August, we went to Newport, Rhode Island for my warfare school. I did that for about six months, and then I deployed to Europe. So I was on a destroyer in Europe for a bit. She moved to Virginia. And I was over uh, across, across the pond and was there about three and a half, four months, came back, uh, workups, you know, running it down, putting everything away, getting it all set, tons of work, back and forth, newly married. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I do remember that I came home one day and I don't remember what I said, but I do remember the response that I got back. The response that I got back from my new, beautiful, and loving wife was, I don't work for you, pal. <laughs> I'm not sure what I said. But she looked at me, and she's like, I don't work for you. To which I was like, oh, yes, that's right. That's correct. Right? I was in that military mode. I'd been on a ship with 100 guys, 400 guys, really, for months. And it was based on what's on your shoulder whether you told them what to do or got told what to do, right? And so that whole environment. And I think about these nuanced situations when you get with someone and you can take advantage of things. Let me tell you something. I said it a minute ago. The Bible speaks to us in areas that we need to be spoken to. The Bible is very economical. If you think of Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, it says men should pray always. I remember when I was a kid, we do pretty good around here, but I remember when I was a kid, the only people that showed up for prayer meeting were the mamas. I think we do better than that here, but that's the only folks that showed up were the mamas. The mamas were the prayers. The mamas were the prayer warriors. He said, I want men to pray always, lifting holy hands. A lot of times men, if there's any unholy hands, it's guys. Our struggles with pornography and all the kinds of things that we struggle with personally. Lifting holy hands without wrath. Ding, ding, ding. Wrath, where anger is the go-to. 
There are things that are stereotypical that I'm going to ask you to consider, but they're stereotypical for a reason. And so that anger and doubting, which is so amazing for me as a guy, I think about my own personal life, and I can have such bravado and such like bump chest, in your face kind of business. And I've got the ego like a robin egg, you know? <laughs> like it's just the shell of, and, and she could say something to me and I'm just like, <laughs> just put me in a cup on the shelf, right? But it's so big, but doubting, self-doubt. Those are very, very, very common in my world, my personal experience as a man and my experience with others over 30 years. Very common. The Bible speaks to that. And then just a couple verses later, it speaks to women and it speaks something different. It doesn't say those same things. It says other things. And in fact, those things wouldn't be a deal to me at all. Like appearance and all these other kinds of things that stereotypically may matter a bit more. So the Bible speaks to stuff in our psyche, in our behavior, that we need to pay attention to. It doesn't tell me to work 60 hours a week, because I do. It tells me to not have wrath. It tells me to have hands that are holy. It tells me to go all out in love for my wife and not leverage my strength. Not take advantage. That's what it says. Throw that up there, Jeremy. 19. Not take advantage. The message says it like this. Go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. I know I can do that. Most of the time when I get out of the car, people think I'm a cop. Carriage, confidence, I don't know. But there are places, a buddy of mine, we were in the Navy together, and we used to work in housing authority up in New England where we planted this church. And we'd get out of the car, and like kids would be on the street, and they'd take off running. <laughs> we just got out of the car. We were the local ministers, right? We were pastoring these kids, and we'd get out of the car, hey, what's up? And they're gone. I said, dude, we're going to get shot one day because somebody's going to, we're going to accidentally, you know, interrupt a drug bust, and they think we're like cops. We can use our strength to our advantage, but this says don't take advantage. You see, when we get flipped over the table and I want to bring it back 110% and I've got 265 pounds that I can bring with it, it says don't take advantage. Don't use your strength advantage. Don't use your intimidation advantage, but go all out in love. The Bible calls us into these spaces. In the context, what has the whole chapter been about so far? New life. A new life. Old things passed away. All things become new. And this is applicable for everybody. You don't have to. Be married. You have friends that are. <laughs> you can help them. And none of us know the course of our life, how it may turn and veer and ins and outs and changes. Helping us. My mind goes, anytime I hear the, 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 the husband-wife thing, I think of this guy, Emerson Egerich. He uh, pulled something out of Ephesians 5. He pastored for 20-plus years, and then he, he read one verse in Ephesians 5, and in the NIV, it says, husbands, love your wives, wives, respect your husbands. He packed up his gear, <laughs> he wrote a book, and that's all he's been doing for the last 25 years. He's talking about that one single verse. Now, what I just want to present for us today to consider 
would be the dynamics of love and respect. Now, in my house, it is true. In my house, Melinda needs love and respect. I need love and respect as well. But in our particular relationship, her economy is far more love than respect. My economy is far more respect than love. That would be something I just want to present for you to consider. And one practical thing, goodness sakes, there are so many things you can talk about in spousal relationship. It was overwhelming last night, through this whole week, for me to pause and think, what in the world should be brought to the table today when discussing this, and this is one of the two things that came to me. When we're doing it well, did everybody hear that part? Yeah. When we're following the rules and when we're doing it well, when there's conflict, what we do is we follow this new life way of thinking and we own it first. We own it first. Melinda might say to me, and again, consider the love-respect dynamic. Melinda might say to me, listen to this, listen to how she owns it, when we do it right. Did I just say something disrespectful to you? Because I just caught something very unloving. Hear that? Hear how that's a lot like those verses, right? Where we're thinking on a different plane. She will say, did I, she will say, did I just say something disrespectful to you? Because for me, that is my primary economy. I need to be respected. Did I just say something disrespectful to you? Because I just caught something very unloving. And I will say, when I'm doing it right, I will say, did I just say something unloving to you? Because what I just got from you was super disrespectful. You see the differences in that? Do you see how that doesn't go zero to 60? Do you see how there's something else, some other dynamic working on there where there is submission in ways that honor the master and there is going all out in love and not taking advantage of the other person? This is so mutual and it's so much about responding to the one that looks at us and says, hang on. Responding to the master. We can look at this and say, husband, wife, parent, child, slave, master. These are the next six verses. But they're all about the master. And the master is the capital M, master. God, our father, who calls us into a new place, a new way of being. I get it. We go in the water, you were smoking, Bo said it, you're smoking, you come out of the water, you're not smoking anymore. Awesome. How's this other stuff going? Because the other stuff is about character. The other stuff is about Christ being formed in us. Yeah. I'm thinking of these, thinking of the questions back and forth.
We read these things. We're like, what? Some of us think the S word has four letters. Others of us, the S word is submit. Why are you cussing in your sermon? Why do you keep saying submit? The whole thing, friends, is submission. I'll make it simple for us. If you're in here and breathing, you're welcome to raise your hand and acknowledge that you are called to submission. That's all of us. All of us. You see, the issue, when we think of submission, we think, oh, no, no, rights. Where's my boy? Justice. Chip is all about justice. The question is not, the question is not what are my rights? The question is, what is my role? The question is not what are my rights? When I ask what my rights are, I'm following a God, but it's not that master. I don't ask what are my rights. I ask, what is my role? I had a conversation with a young man several years ago. I remember we were standing out in the lobby. We were chatting about some things and social things and different stuff like that. And, and, and he asked me, he goes, what about my rights? And I looked at him and I'm like, what, what rights? You're... Last time I checked, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. I just looked at him in the face. I'm like, sorry, Hoss, you don't have any rights. You serve the kingdom. He's redeemed you. All those are gone. The question is not what are my rights. The question is what is my role? What is the role that I am called to play? And remember when I said the Bible's economical and it's going to call us to do things that we don't normally do? That's the growth piece. That's the growth piece. It's the piece where I can take advantage and I don't. I can love, but it could be self-serving when in fact I'm supposed to love all out. All out. Not all in. All out. And it is submission, not to me, but submission from Melinda as unto the master. But I am not the master. So it is not what are my rights. The question is, what is my role? Because in all of these relationships, what God is trying to do, it is not about a pathway to happiness. It is about a pathway to holiness. That's the call. That's the new life. Now, Good, th- good thing, good thing Paul didn't lead with this. Good thing this wasn't Colossians 3.1. No one wants to say amen to that. Like, come on, really, really? That, that's what he leads with? That's not good. But he's got 15 verses. 16, 17 verses of talking about this is new, follow him here, he's formed in you like this, let this be, let that be, let this be. Your life is hid with Christ and God. That's what's going on here. That's what's going on here. And then he hits us right where we live, in the relationships, whatever those there are, whatever those are. So wherever you are in here, it doesn't matter. It truly does not matter. Whatever role you play, the prayer is, what's the role I'm supposed to play? It's not about my rights. What is my role? And where am I getting that guidance? And where am I getting that information? 
And I'll tell you where the ground is level for all of us. I surrender to you, Lord, today. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me, O God. That's all of us. Every day. A submission and a surrender every day. Several of the folks, they just hopped in with their clothes and their shoes on and everything else last week, right? I told them, I said, the Lord prompted me to ask. You said yes. Don't let that ever change. Don't let that ever change. And folks that have been walking with the Lord for a long time should be able to say, yes, that's right. Of all the things and all the patterns and all the rules and all the expectations and everything else, what never changes is you call me and I will answer. You call me into this space because I will surrender to you. My goodness, who is going to be, how many people, are we going to have a lot of people here in week three or nobody? Slave master sermon, are we going to have a lot of people or nobody? Arnick and I joked about it all week. I'm like, you're going to close, man. I'm going to preach, you're going to close. And I mean that. It's not about that. I'm not talking about the 1700s and shipping Shipping people and the atrocities and the horrific situations in that. There is, a, there is a principled theme through this whole deal. It is about this master. That one. That we all bow the knee. We all surrender ourselves. Listen, if you want to do it, it's not surrender. It's not submission if you want to do it, right? It's reaching in to the parts of our life that we do not want to give over, and we surrender them. Several years ago, I was teaching a class, and I was teaching middle school, and a mother came to me, exasperated with her, with her child. This will be our segue for next week, Okay. Parent-child, exasperated with her child. And she is just like, I don't know what to do. And I would go to their house, and I would do counseling with them, and I would talk to them, and the family was all there. And he was in my class, and he was, he was, he was, a, he was a tough act, you know. And, and she just couldn't figure it out. And her oldest daughter was amazing, and her son not so amazing, you know, and just all over and so much tension and turmoil. And it struck me one day. I said, you know what? I have a book for you. It's written by Dr. Kevin Lehman, who's a psychologist, happens to be a believer. It's called A New Kid by Friday. It's not a long read. It's, it's, it's pretty short. But it's A New Kid by Friday, and I'll get you a copy, and I'll send it to you, and you can start reading it on Monday. And I was explaining, and she, she, paused, she stopped. She goes, this is really about me being a new parent by Friday, isn't it? I'm like, absolutely, that's exactly what it's about. <laughs> but, but that's our goal, that you'll be a new parent by Friday. That's what it's about. That's what this is about. It's not about me changing her. It's not about me changing her. It's not about her changing me. It's about me and her allowing him to change us all day, every day. When Melinda and I were dating, the 10 minutes that we were dating, 
she would send me letters, and there'd be a triangle. Big circle at the top of the triangle, two circles at the bottom. We were the circles at the bottom, little dots at the bottom. God was the one at the top. And when we pursued him, what happened to us? We pursued him, what happened to us? We got closer together. Our pursuit of that master, our pursuit that when you read this this week, when you read it, understand and support by submitting in ways that honor the master. Go all out in love. Don't take advantage. You see, this series isn't really about our relationship with others. It's about our relationship with him. That's the lead. That's the primary. It's about our relationship with him. And then, as he said in Matthew, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all, all these other things be added to you. I'd like us to pray. I'd like us to leverage this moment right now to number one, if anybody in here thinks that you're out of the circle of this message, I'd like us to give you a minute to step into the circle because this is for everybody. Everybody. I'd like Lily to know this. Getting married anytime soon, Lil? No. And Zach's like, back her down, pal. But those principles deep within you, I'm not seeking happiness. I'm seeking holiness. I'm seeking opportunity for Christ to be formed in me. You ask me to surrender, I surrender. You ask me to submit, I submit. You ask me to love freely, I love freely. You ask me to take all the advantage that I have and count it as nothing. Does that sound familiar? Paul said, every advantage I have. I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Every advantage, I lay it aside so that I can be empty and open-handed and you, Jesus Christ, will you pray with me right now? You, Jesus Christ, will be formed in me. You will be formed in me. I'm laying things aside. I'm opening my heart. I'm reaching to you, Father, today in this moment. And all the areas that I have buttons around this stuff, I release those to you. All the areas I have walls and, and tender spots, maybe even wounds, I release all those to you, Jesus, for your healing. I want to submit and surrender to you, Master. I want to love with the love that you give. I want to lay aside all advantage. All advantage is a disadvantage. I want to lay it aside. And I want you, Lord Jesus, to be formed in me. Begin to be formed in me, God. Pray with me. Begin to be formed in me, Jesus. Wherever I am in this journey, this is the call to new life. One more step. One more moment. New life. New life. Old things passed away. All things become new. New life. Holy Spirit, move through us. Holy Spirit, change us. Holy Spirit, allow us to be changed by your gracious hand. 
Allow us to be changed by the loving power of your spirit. Wherever we are and however we've acted and whatever our history is, to this moment, we all surrender to the great and loving master. We serve you. We love you. It is our privilege. It is the wisest thing we have ever done to empty ourselves and to surrender ourselves to you and to your calling, to your calling. We hear your voice. Pray it with me. We hear your voice and we say yes. We hear your voice and we say yes. And we say yes. We say yes. So if you'll stay in that place where you are, eyes closed or open, I don't care. Listening to the Holy Spirit. to be practical today with this subject and process it just a tiny bit before we go. So I took notes and while you're just sitting, I want you to think, ponder, if there's some brokenness in you that you're numb to. The Lord will help you. You're here for a reason today. Relationships, connection is a very important part of our church. And he kept saying a new life way of living, which brings a response. We know what's in our heart by the way we speak. The Bible tells us that out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. So just even run through this week. What were the words that came out of your mouth? I think... I think God is asking us to deal with our brokenness if we haven't already started on that path. We have an enemy of our soul, and he tries to get us to put up walls. But just like when Andy mentioned the movie and the mafia or whatever it was, and the hand went out, I thought of not today, Satan. Paul wrote, let the word of Christ have the run of the house. I know that's what you all want. Christ being formed in us. And what Andy was asking us today is what is our role? I know you want to be present with each other, especially in your household, especially in your relationships. So for us to, the Bible teaches us that we need to confess one to another So the people that you're sitting by, I just want you to process for just a minute or so something that jumped out to you, something that the Holy Spirit is saying, confession or a plan or a thought or something that just you hadn't heard before that went down to your toes. I'm going to give you a couple minutes for you to practice talking to the person you're sitting by or if you need to go up and go across the room to someone that you're safe with. What is it you heard today? What is it you would like to do? What do you need to ask for forgiveness for, maybe, if you're sitting by that person? Or tell them, I didn't know. So go ahead. I see some of you already doing it. When it comes to you, go ahead. This is what healthy looks like. And if it's a total stranger, you can say something life-giving to them. 